Welcome to The Peg Doesn't Fit, the podcast that brings you the change makers in education. Tune in to hear from educational leaders who aren't content with the status quo educational model and are blazing their own path. Welcome, Dr. Tina Owen-Moore, to The Peg Doesn't Fit. She is the author of The Alliance Way, The Making of a Bully-Free School, and superintendent extraordinaire at the school district of Cudahy in Illinois, right? Yeah, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Okay. (laughs) All right. Excellent. Well, welcome. It's good to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Well, um, we'll keep this as conversational as possible, but I'll probably still ask my some standard questions I'm curious about. So tell us about your educational path. What did you, when did you start teaching? What did you do? How did you get to where you're at today? Oh, I'm going to age myself a little bit here. Um, I started teaching back in 1998. Uh, I didn't really think about being a teacher at first, but then I met somebody in college who was studying to be a teacher and I knew it was what I had to do. So I changed pathways right away. I thought I'd be a lawyer and instead became a teacher and it was the best thing ever. Um, That's awesome. I started teaching English. I taught English for about six years uh, at a local high school and while I was there I recognized that there were a lot of issues with bullying. Um, Not for anybody's fault just most people really didn't know what to do about it Mm -hmm. and um, at the time, Bill Gates was giving out grants to start small schools. And yeah, so somebody came to a staff meeting at our school and said to all the teachers, if anybody's ever thought of starting a school, we have these grants. And it was not something I'd ever thought of doing because who does that, right? Mm -hmm. At least back then, who starts schools? Um, But I thought, well, what if we could create a school with a focus on bullying and just being a safe and inclusive environment for all students? Um, so I pulled together a group of students and teachers and, and kind of modeled it after the Gay Straight Alliance model, you okay. know, like it's going to be a safe and inclusive space for all students mm-hmm. and got to work and making it happen. So hmm. did so that did you have some framework? Did you have like, uh, how to start a school? Did that come with your grant or how did that come about? Yeah, there was some some support. So it was a really good time to be doing it because they had people who could help us with that, like, just these are the things you need to be thinking about. And there's a lot more than you would imagine. Like, what kind of lockers do you want to order? Oh, sure. <laughs> That's a big decision, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want lockers? All of that. Books, furniture, everything. You have to think about all those things. But luckily, they had a lot of supports for us. And some funding to help us buy all the things that you need to buy when you're starting a school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Had you been teaching in the Milwaukee area previously? So you said? Yes. Yeah, so I'd been I teaching think. there for six years in Milwaukee. And then we okay. opened the Alliance School in Milwaukee. From too. there. Okay. Did yeah. you get to choose the size of the school? I saw it was like 150-ish kids. We started with 100 and then we grew to 220. Okay. And it it hovers about that still today. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long were you there? I was there for 10 years. 10. Okay. Yes. Did the structure change much while you were there? Or did it kind of stay true to the... 
Yeah, most of it stayed pretty true. We were very student led. So if there was something that wanted to be that anybody wanted to be changed, students or staff, we would create a proposal and discuss it and vote on it. So at times there were small changes, but overall the the core mission and philosophy stayed the same. We are very true to that throughout the years. Okay. And when you say teacher led and the voting and stuff, like what else, how else does that play out when you say teacher led? Yeah. So um, we didn't have a principal or assistant principal or anything like that. I was the lead teacher. Um, I act, I, I had, like I did a lot of what a principal might do, but from the mm-hmm. teacher um, and only with the, you know, the granting of the group to be able to do that. They really okay. supported me and everything that I did. And so I always tried to make sure that everything that we were doing had the community's voice and the community's decision mm-hmm. around it. Um, and so our students were involved in everything in the designing of classes in the discipline policies and uh, activities. If a student wanted to have a dance, I'd say, okay, you guys do the work. <laughs> and they would put it together and they would write like the that. letters and they would do the everything that needed to be done with it. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. So did you give yourself a lower teaching load just so that you could do some of those things? Yeah, I did. I did. I usually taught one or two classes um, instead of we had four blocks and the teachers taught three out of four and I would usually teach one or two. And I would often try to teach PE classes because then I could get my exercise done Ah. at the same time as teaching and not have as many papers to grade because, you know, school leadership is still a lot of work. Yes, it is. Wise move. Um, It's also year round, a year round school. Uh, What led to that choice? Yeah, so for us, we really, uh, we knew that for students who are bullied, um, suicide rates are very high. And so what we wanted to do was create connections to adults who care all through the year and create connections to resources all through the year. So Mm -hmm. by having, we would be, we'd go to school nine weeks on, three weeks off, nine weeks on, three weeks off. And then during those three week breaks, we would still have intercession classes and and different activities so we could stay connected with the students. Oh, neat. Hmm. I love that. Um, So it's a very healthy model for teachers too, actually. Oh, I believe it. I would think so. Just when you like, you need to refresh your course, you get a little break, time to reflect, replan, and then come back. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you don't have that extended drop of the summer for a teacher either where you have to gear back up for the school year it's more of a even flow yep makes sense um and was that something that when you planned out the school you had thought i'm going to do it year round and here's what i want it to look like or talking to friends and they convinced you that that's what you should try or how did even that decision come about Yeah, it was something that we wanted to do from the very beginning. So we did get to visit a few other schools around the country to see models that they had in place that had similar philosophies. We even got to visit the Summerhill School in England, which had the democratic governance that we were looking to model after John Dewey's Democracy in Education. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, we got to visit Summerhill. We got to visit Eagle Rock School in Colorado Mm -hmm. and through those visits, we took away some of the ideas that we had for what we would like to put in place. Summerhill and Eagle Rock. I'm going to write those down. Yeah, they were great. 
It is this Eagle Rock do some of the same stuff? Eagle Rock has a very outdoor adventure focused, you know? Yeah, I really like that. So we really wanted students to have experiential learning. I love that. Um, I'm gonna go back to, well, I'll ask you about the data first, because I, I that was the first thing I was actually most, I don't know, intrigued by. When I see the title of your book, Boy Free School, I just think, how do you even measure that? Yeah. So what did you use as a metric to figure out that you were bully free? Yeah, so um, we did a lot of, of in-house surveying of students just to, to make sure that we were dealing with any issues that there were. We also had the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, um, okay. which gave us a really good picture and anonymous input of what was going on in the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we, we, we had reporting systems in place. We had um, practices for addressing incidents of harm. And what we tried really hard to do was make sure that we were always addressing incidents of harm so they didn't become patterns of bullying, right? So okay. it, when, when you're really working hard to address those things as they happen mm-hmm. and using restorative practices to repair harm, you mm-hmm. never get to the level of bullying. You're gonna have incidents, you're gonna sure. have conflicts, you have all the things that high school has, but you're not going to get to that that level of bullying where it's repeated and intentional harm. Okay, so kind of on to the restorative practices. Is that something you just, I guess, the first let's say the first time a kid reports, "Hey, so and so has been saying this about me," or a teacher notices that, like it's restorative practice right away. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we first started, we hadn't even heard of restorative practices at mm-hmm. all. Sure. We just we started with that philosophy of the students being involved in everything. Mm-hmm. So if we were hearing reports that a student had, had you know, done something that was harm to another student, they would have to come before a group of their peers and have that addressed by their peers. Okay. And so we called it the discipline council mm-hmm. when we first started. And we would always try to bring together a group of students, not the same group every time, but students mm-hmm. who actually had some connection to the student who had done the harm so that that student would actually hear from them, like be able okay. to, you know, feel some kind of connection there. And then those students would listen to what was going on, try to find out if there were other things that might be going on for that student that they might need help with, and then also determine consequence that were reparative to the community. Mm-hmm. And once we had been doing that for a while, somebody told me about restorative um, practices. Mm -hmm. And I had this one situation with this group of girls that kept going back and forth and they were threatening to fight and their parents were involved and we had already contacted the police and all of this stuff. And somebody told me and I said, all right, come in and do do it with these girls. And if it works, I'll go to the training. And so uh, somebody came in and did a circle for the parents and the students involved in this. And by the end of the circle, the kids were apologizing to each other, giving each other hugs, apologized to the whole group. And the next day stood in front of the school and apologized to the whole school community. Oh, wow. That's an amazing story. All right, I'm sold. And I I went to that training and then we started getting all of our teachers trained. And now the way it is at Alliance is there are two classes where the students get trained in restorative practices and they lead all of their restorative practices for the school. So they both address harm, do community building circles, and then they go out and train people in the community on how to use restorative practices. Hmm. Okay, so how, 
Well, I have so many other questions. Let's see how I want to make this make sense. Um, so the your transit, let's say talk about I want I'm curious how it's looking now for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll ask two questions and you can answer them in whatever way. Did you jump straight from teacher led teacher leader of the Alliance School to superintendent? And then also within that path, how are you looking to do some of these same things in your current district? Yeah, thank you. So I did, it was kind of a jump. I went right from um, teacher leader. I applied to Harvard's uh, Doctor of Education Leadership mm-hmm. Program. And with with just the thought that, well, even if I don't get in, I can still say I applied to Harvard. Right. <laughs> and, and miraculously, I was accepted. And so I went and did their three-year program in education leadership and did my residency in Chicago Public Schools. Okay. Um, and then had a short role as a chief people officer in a network of schools out in Chicago and really wanted to come back home to Wisconsin. That had been my hope for since the beginning. And so when this role opened um, and somebody told me, you know, they're looking for a superintendent in Cudahy, I know you've got that doctorate. I jumped at the chance to apply. That's great. So you feel feel you're at home now. Yes, yes. I was really looking forward to that. And um, in my role here, I'm really thinking about how, I mean, one, it would be wonderful to be able to say we are a bully-free district. That mm-hmm. would be, you know, that is a goal. Sure. And then also just to to bring those practices in that really made us the school that we were and, and created that culture that we mm-hmm. have. We have a lot of great things already going on here in Cudahy. So it's a great space to be able to do that because people really believe in the mm-hmm. same thing. Good. How large is the district? Like, what's st- total student population? Yeah, we have 2,183. Okay. So still a small district. We have seven schools, but, mm-hmm. um, but you know, a little bit bigger than a 200-student school. Too. Yeah, for sure. So what inspired you to write this book? You know, when I was leading the Alliance School, we always got questions about our practices. And so I was always responding to emails or writing articles, um, just sharing some of the practices with other people. And I remember once a parent asked me, do you have a book? Is there a book out there that I could share with my kid's school principal? And there really wasn't. There wasn't anything out there that, that really focused on the practices that I believed made us who we were. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted to write this book, but I also didn't want to get recognition for something that wasn't just my work. It was a lot sure. of people, all the teachers, all the students, we all did this together. And so in my program, I had mentioned wanting to write it and not and being hesitant. And they said, well, have you asked people? And so I went back and I asked the teachers and I asked the students and, and they were like, you have to write the book. You're the only person who can tell our story. Mm-hmm. And then I had one teacher who, who said to me, he said, when you have the ability to write the stories of those who have been marginalized and haven't been able to tell their own stories, then you have to write it. And that really opened it up for me. Mm-hmm. So I went back and got to work. <laughs> Excellent. So I do not own that book yet. I will. But I am curious for those listening, is this a written like a workbook? Is it more like you said, telling the stories? Is it more kind of narrative and uh, what do you call that uh, organization? 
what is it written like? It's very, it's, it's academic and narrative. So through the stories and through examples of things we did at our school or things that happened that demonstrate the research and the best practices that lead to those environments, it kind of pulls them together. So I, I, every student that I wrote about read their own story and made sure that that really reflected them. And okay. there are a lot of student stories in there. And, um, but it's also, it's published by the Harvard Ed Press. So it's an academic press and it had to be mm-hmm. peer reviewed and connect to okay. all the science and research. Okay. So my, my last curiosity here is if you were to leave a, a teacher's listening right now, they're inspired or a principal or, or superintendent, but let's just talk to the, let's say the teacher and the principal. They say, I would love to do this myself. What's step one? Which part? The creating the bully-free school? <laughs> yeah. If they just want to, if they want to move towards some more bully-free schooling, what would they yeah. do first? I think first thing from a classroom basis or from a school basis, get to a point where every student knows at least one significant story about every other student in the class. Right. Wow. Does every okay. student in your class know every other student's name and at least something significant about them? So uh, there was a, a quote that we used that was core for us that said, if you can see yourself in others, whom can you harm? Sure. A quote by the Dalai Lama. And so everything we did, we did with the intention of getting people to know each other so well, they didn't want to do harm sure. to anybody around them. And so I, I think that would be the first place to start is really think about building those relationships person to person. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That is a great way to end here. So um, before I say the official, well, the official podcast goodbye part, how can people reach you? Are you available uh, through social media, email? Do you want people to leave you alone? Like me, <laughs> I'm an introvert. <laughs> so what do you no, I'm, I'm one, I'm a big extrovert. So I'm always happy to talk to people. And yes, please reach out on LinkedIn, Twitter, send me an e- email. Um, I'm happy to, this is something I'm really passionate about. I think if we can, if there's any gift that we can give to kids, it's to give them a joyful life, right? Like that's the greatest gift as adults we can give. So if I can help anybody to create more joy and take away more of that stress, I am happy to be a resource. Well, thank you. And thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Well, that wraps it up for today. Please tune in next week when we interview David Buck from Howard Community College and talk about all the exciting things he's been doing in the ungrading ecosystem. That's what we'll call it for now, for lack of a better word. But he's been doing a lot of great things, making his own website, uh, doing an, kind of a summit so to speak, about ungrading and a whole lot more. So tune in. See you then.